Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Podcast. This is part four of our week-long extravaganza, which takes you all the way to Labor Day weekend, a.k.a. the official weekend of fantasy drafts in the United States and beyond. I'm your host, Tim Petropoulos, here with Michael and Jason Petropoulos, the gurus of fantasy football, and today we are going to be going over our hat hangers. Yes, this episode is one you're going to want to listen to very closely because we are all we are each giving you four players and an honorable mention that we are going to hang our hats on and put our fantasy reputations on the line with these guys this year. We are that confident with them going into the year. Michael, Jason, how are you guys feeling about your list of hat hangers? Glorious. You're going to hear some familiar names. So we're calling it hat hangers because, you know, you're going to hang your hat on that guy. He's like he's like home, right? That's Home is where you hang your hat is what they say, right? Kind of. So you hang your hat on this guy. He's the guy that you are going to be riding or dying with the entire year. Uh, let's start it off with Michael. Michael, who is number one on your list? I, well, these are not in order by any means, no. right? So just when I say number one, it's just the guy you decide to talk about first. So who is number one on your hat hangers list? Alvin Kamara, my first round pick yesterday in the Brodo Fantasy League, our first inaugural keeper league with players from last year. What pick did you take him at? I was the seventh pick, seven or eight, seven, seven, seventh pick. Yeah, okay. Alvin Kamara, who, as everyone knows, I'm a big fan of. 728 rushing yards last year, and over 800 receiving yards. And look at this, fellas. I know you guys aren't big on the Alvin Kamara because he doesn't get the touches, right? But Mark Ingram's out the first four games. You all know that. He had the same amount of yards as Melvin Gordon in 120 less touches. And Alvin Kamara was number one in the league in success rate last year, running the ball over six yards per carry. First in yards per carry, second in yards per touch, seventh in breakaway runs in only... 43 number 43 in opportunity share last year of all running backs and he was seventh in breakaway runs third in targets which is only going to go up this year as well after hardly even playing in the first five or so games last year 11th in red zone touches which is glorious to see which i expect to go up as well and he ended as the fourth uh number four overall in fantasy points per game despite the lack of touches which are going to go up even though the production is impossible to go down. Excuse me. The, the production is impossible to stay, stay the same. at the pace that it currently is. He was in the top half of the league and evaded tackles, the top half of the league and jukes, a uh, juke rate. He is the best player basically besides Drew Brees. And you know what? Michael can't, can't hate on Michael Thomas on that offense with two of the greatest players in the league at their respective positions. And he's just going to keep doing what he did last year at a, spectacular rate and i'm gonna just love it at all times while you guys sit back and watch me gloat i mean that's it's a good guy to hang your hat on i mean he's he's going in the first round for a reason everyone knows what he can do the only thing that i you know just i pause for a second because all those things you said are true but there is one thing that people are really forgetting and that's this dude did not play five games basically did not play five games before adrian peterson was traded he was third in that depth chart yeah, he had 11 touches the first game, uh, four the next game, five the next game, and then week four he had 15 touches. Okay, so he got so involved the first three weeks or so, and then there was a bye week five. But then even week six is where he actually started getting more work. He had 13 touches then, and 
uh, from that point forward, it was basically double-digit th- t- touches the rest of the year. So one, of the, the? one of the calls I'm most proud of in the history of my life is on the NFL. History of my life. For real. On the NFL uh, draft special we had for VM, we, we got to pick one player that we could highlight that is going to be a, a star outside of the top round because we only do the first round. And I picked Kamara. And I was all over him last year. Like, I don't know why I didn't pick him up in fantasy. I was all over him in real life, but. That's impressive. I know. Because you thought the, I'm really proud of the opportunity wouldn't be there. So I'm patting myself on the back right now. <laughs> where's the earliest you would take Alvin Kamara? Uh, right after Antonio Brown. So six. So six. you're taking him over Melvin Gordon. And Saquon. And yeah. Saquon Barkley. Yeah. All right, Jason. So I think you have something to say about that. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, listen, listeners out there who have listened to our other podcasts, I'm saying listen a lot. Melvin Gordon is the love of my life, and he's the love of my fantasy life, and there's no reason not to love him. Have you ever seen someone with 1,600 yards and 12 touchdowns get as little respect as Melvin Gordon? I got to say, it's kind of remarkable that this guy gets 350 touches a year and still people doubt him. Honest question, though. Michael, have you, have you ever disrespected anyone with his numbers as much as you do him? DeMarco Murray I mean, you disrespected last year. Yeah, he had those numbers. We are right. Well, yeah. We disrespect him, but I agree too. Uh, Eddie Lacy. But this is two years <laughs> running now. Two years ago, only in thirteen games, he had fourteen hundred yards and twelve touchdowns. So you're looking at a guy who, his floor at the moment, if you take the average of the last two, no, because he only played thirteen games two years ago. So his floor at the moment is sixteen hundred yards and twelve touchdowns, and there's no reason to think that he's going to get less burn than he did last season. Also, little secret about Melvin Gordon, he catches the ball a lot. People act like he's not a pass catcher. Do you know? Guess where he is on the list of the targets to running backs last season? Fourth, third. All right, all right, fine. I guess seven. <laughs> seven is the answer. Yes, <laughs> but he's ahead of the likes of James White, the pass catching specialist, Lashawn McCoy, who you think of as a pass catching back, Mark Ingram, Kareem Hunt, who that was a little surprising to me. Devontae Freeman. That is that was surprising. Melvin Freeman. Gordon. Had 58 catches last season. That's a lot of catches. An improvement from 41 the year before. And it should improve again this season. There's no more Hunter Henry. I know Tim likes Mike Williams to take that role. But when you're trying to check down to a receiver, Melvin Gordon, they like using him as that person. Also, Michael's favorite thing to say about Melvin Gordon when shitting on him is that his 3.9 yards per carry wasn't great. It's right. You're right. That's not great. But it's also not terrible. I'm going to name a few guys that did a better yards per carry than last season. A few guys that you guys like. Jarek McKinnon. He did. Leonard Fournette. You guys. I'm just saying, Leonard Fournette, a guy going ahead of him in a lot of drafts. Christian McCaffrey. Another guy going ahead of him recently with his surge. I found it absurd. And Joe Mixon, another guy that. So, Melvin Gordon. You want to talk about his inefficiency. Those are four players that are... Some people are drafting ahead of him. Not Mixon, but the no. other three, some people are drafting McCaffrey's ahead of McCaffrey's a little bit Not of Not McKinnon reach. either. A lot of people are grouping them in the same group, though. That's true. Like, if they're doing tiered. Like the same same yes. Group. Yeah. And I think that's just unbelievably uncalled for. Also, guys, Mike Pouncey's now on the Chargers. The Dolphins just let him go, surprisingly. Good run blocker. He signed up with the Chargers, and that's going to make a difference because the Melvin Gordon in his life with the Chargers, 31st in run block rating in 2015, the offensive line, 28th in 2016, 26th in 2017. So he's never had a lot of help. Last season, he was second in the league in broken tackles, 62. 
They added Mark Pou- Mike Pouncey, and they're also getting their uh, young guard, Forrest Lamp, back, their second-round pick last year. That's going to be a big one because Forrest Lamp had a lot of potential going into last season before he got hurt. He did a lot of talk about Forrest Lamp. Yeah. One of Boss's favorite guys, shout out to BVM, loves Forrest Lamp. So they have Forrest Lamp now on the line. They have Mike Pouncey. And Melvin Gordon's going to do what he does. I can't help but I, I think that's a great pick. Uh, Jason, you're not, you, you don't have to convince me to take Melvin Gordon. After Saquon Barkley, I would consider if, because there's so little running backs, so little first-round talent running backs out there this year, I would consider taking him over every receiver except Antonio Brown. So I would even take him over Saquon Barkley in, in certain cases. Um the person that I'm hanging my hat on is a guy that I've been singing this guy's praises since he signed the contract in the offseason. Uh, you guys know who I'm going to say, so I'm just going to say it. Jarek McKinnon is the guy that I am hanging my hat on this year. Uh, he signs a four-year, $37 million contract with $14 million guaranteed. That is big bucks for a wide receiver, I mean a running back. Now, if you read a lot of articles, a lot of people are saying, yeah, well, it's really just a one-year deal because all the guaranteed money is up front, which is true. It is basically a one-year deal. But they're giving him $11 million guaranteed this season. They are not giving him $11 million to go and sit on the bench and not play. So why play that money? It's because he fits the exact system that Kyle Shanahan wants him to fit. Uh, Jarek McKinnon's height and weight, 5'9", 216. Devontae Freeman's updated height and weight, 5'9", 210. If you look at them, they have the similar type of build. They both have massive legs and a strong upper body. They both run close to the floor. That means he wants he wants Jarek McKinnon to play the Freeman role that Freeman played in his two years under Shanahan as an offensive coordinator. Now, <coughs> excuse me. Now, let's go over exactly what he did in two years. Devonta Freeman averaged 246 rushes for 167 yards and 11 touchdowns per year. On in the air, he was targeted 81 times for 63 catches and 520 yards. Plus, he added three touchdowns one year and two touchdowns another year. And that's with Coleman, Tevin Coleman, sniping 11 TDs and 31 receptions in year two. That is minus 11 TDs for another running back. By the way, you want to make a quarterback who's been completely mediocre in his career look great? Give him 100 receptions by two running backs. Yeah, he's going to look real good after that, by the way. But I'm, I'm done talking about Matt Ryan. Um, listen, the injury risk is there, okay? But I think the risk of injury is overstated when it comes to him. He's got this rap of injury prone, and we talked about this before. Injury prone is a rap that follows people around for their career, even if they get it for one year. He only missed one game in the past three seasons combined, total, one game. He missed five in his rookie year, and that's how he got this title of this guy is often injured. It's not the case. Uh, 49ers beat writer Joe Fan showed him running before a game. He looked absolutely 100%. His calf, he says it's fine. The team says it's fine. They're only holding him out of the preseason to be safe. His ADP is dropping because he got a little tweak. You need to get him on your roster if he is available in the third round. I would even venture to take a late second round pick on him. But let me ask you one question. Yes. All the Devontae Freeman comps. It could just be possible that Devontae Freeman is a better player. Okay, uh, but so but if you look at Devontae... Devontae Freeman is a better player. I, I wouldn't say that that's a lock. Because look, if you let's look at their player arcs, right? 
Devonta Freeman was not nearly as successful before Shanahan. And then if you're looking at last year, was not nearly as successful after Shanahan. He had a good season last year. He had an all right season. Missed, missed a couple of, of games. No, he had a good season in spite of Sarkeesian. Fine, but it still wasn't I wouldn't the say in spite of Sarkeesian. Like, I would, I would like say in spite. It was terrible. It wasn't good. Listen, it was, listen. It was the first year with the offense. Let me not take anything away from Devonta Freeman last year. What I'm saying is he didn't reach his Shanahan potential. Right? I think that's fair to say. Jared McKinnon is also a transferred quarterback. He was having a lot of problems with the position right up until last year when it, last year was kind of his breakout year as a running back. So if you're putting him in a Kyle Shanahan offense, there's no reason why this guy can't be just as good as Devonta Freeman was. And if you're telling me that I can get a guy who targets running backs 100 times, I want that. And I want some Breida stock as well. Because if I'm... If I'm not only the McKinnon order, if I'm just anyone, I want Matt Breida in the last rounds. And I think they can both be effective. But no one besides Breida is going to be taking his carries. I know Alfred Morris had a nice game, and you guys are thinking that Alfred Morris somehow is going to take some carries. I do. Nothing to make it any more. Again, Alfred Morris signed for a very That's low contract. Kyle Shanahan. I, I just don't understand why you think Alfred Morris isn't a good running back. He was just signed last week. There's a reason. There's a reason why Kyle Shanahan got his guy when McKinnon got hurt. Yeah, because they needed they needed running back depth. He's gonna be a non-factor. He's gonna be an absolute non-factor. We'll see. But also, unless unless McKinnon gets hurt, and that's a big caveat possibility. But I just explained to you why his injury proneness is being overstated. But anyway, this is the guy I'm hanging my hat on. I think Jarek McKinnon moves his way into the first round next year by the end of this year. And uh, Jarek McKinnon. Is my hat hanger number one? Let's start with Jason this time, since we started with Michael last time. What's up, Jason? Yeah, is. Who is your number two hat hanger? Do you guys want a quarterback, running back, or wide receiver? Mm, wide receiver. I want the wide receiver too. Nice. Actually, <laughs> that's exactly what he's going to finish as this year—a wide receiver too. Ooh, Ooh, look at that special. one. I'm, not, I'm talking about. Eh. That was okay. That wasn't bad. <laughs> Twin hate. I thought Come it was on. good. Let's go. Keelan Cole. Of the Jacksonville Jaguars, this guy is probably jumping off draft boards after Marquis Lee got drafted. But he's still not going high enough. I think he's going to be a wide receiver 2-3 from the get-go. He was already starting alongside Marquis Lee last season, uh, in the preseason and at the end of last season. And now Marquis Lee is out the year. Marquis Lee was another guy I liked. Uh, sucks for him. But Keelan Cole... I just lost my train of thought because I got sad about Marquis Lee. Marquis Lee had 96. <laughs> R.I.P. Marquise. <laughs> this season. Pour one out for Marquise if you're listening yes. right now and you have something to pour out. Marquis Lee had 96 targets last season. That has to go to someone, and it's looking like Keelan Cole. If you're talking about someone who came on at the end of last season, it was Keelan Cole. And this isn't necessarily statistical, what I'm about to say. But sometimes people just have connections. And you could see that on the field. Last season, Blake Bortles and D.D. Westbrook missed a lot of the time. You would you saw a lot of missed fades and a lot of missed deep passes. You didn't see that with Keelan Cole. You didn't, you're not seeing it in the preseason. You didn't see it at the end of last year. Keelan Cole and Blake Bortles just have a connection. And Keelan Cole is looking like he's going to be Blake Bortles' guy. Now, at the end of last season, Blake Bortles was a top-five quarterback over the last six weeks. Jacksonville put up 24, 30, 30, 45, 33, and then 10. But the point being, Jacksonville can put up points. Blake Bortles was slinging it at the end of last year, and he has to throw it to someone. Marquise Lee averaged only failed to reach 45 yards twice last season. 
So there is going to be a reliable receiver on that team, and there's no reason to think it's not going to be Killing Cole. There's been Jacksonville wide receivers, even during the Blake Bortles hate all these years, have always been relevant. Allen Robinson has been getting picked as a number one receiver for years now because of the season he had with Blake Bortles. Marquise Lee was a solid option last year. Allen Hearns was fantasy relevant for a few years. And Keelan Cole, guess how many yards he had last season? A like, lot. Like he had 750. He was big time in the end. 748 yards last season, and he didn't even play, really. He was barely even relevant, and he put up 748 yards. In the two games last season that he had more than four receptions, he combined for 294 yards and a touchdown. And now if you want to look at who his competition is, it's Dante Moncrief, who's going to get injured probably in week two. And then you have D.D. Westbrook and Chark. I know Timmy likes Chark. I like D.J. Chark. He gives, but he's a rookie. He, I know he gives a different dimension. I think that Marquis Lee, the only thing that I'm, and I, and I like the Keelan Cole pick. I think that you've convinced me that he's the guy to own. I just don't think he, I think that opportunity is going to get in he's the way of him being great. He's dominated first round, first team snaps in preseason. Without Marquis Lee last year in three games, he averaged 106 yards a game. There you go. I'm and getting this guy. He had one touchdown in those three games. But he was basically a top 15 receiver for those three weeks. I remember it vividly. I remember, ha- I remember, I remember had too because I had him on yeah, my bench. I remember you I had him and I was West watching West. him kill for you. And you, you look, and a be- like just as good as any other reason that you won the championship last year in our money league, right, is because you picked up Keelan Cole when he was killing it. I just think that uh, I just think there's too many mouths to feed in Jacksonville and not enough passes to be thrown. Bortles has a to guy, trust though. Him. There's but always a number one receiver in Jacksonville. He will be relevant. I'll give you that. Uh, Michael, who is your second hat hanger? Let me just say real quick, this hat hang, the hat hangers I'm doing, I'm not hanging my hat on Keelan Cole being like a top 12 wide receiver. I'm doing it based off of value here. So you think he'll be a top? I think he'll be a top well, 25 agree. receiver. Yeah. There you go. You're I mean, just saying he's going to surpass his ADP. By a lot. I mean, that's, that's yeah. surpassing him by a lot. Yeah. Michael, go ahead. Robert, Robert Woods is my... Next hang hatter guy. Michael and I disagree on this wholeheartedly. Yes. Timmy thinks Robert Woods is the fourth uh, option in the offense, and I just want to punch Timmy in the face sometimes. But (laughs) that's what happens when you have an older brother who's wrong a lot. So Robert Woods, he's only 26 years old, folks, despite being what seems to be in the league for a long time because he was wasting away in Buffalo. No, he's 30. Hashtag Marquise Goodwin, too. I'm joking. Tim looked at me like, what, he's 30? <laughs> That's a really big gap there. Listen, he went to the Sean McVay offense last year and was great. He only played in 12 games from an injury, but during that time, he was 12th in yards per target, 9th in yards per pass route. He had the 6th best quarterback rating of a quarterback-wide receiver combo between him and Goff of all combos last year. He was on the field of more more than any other Rams receiver. And he ended at 16th in fantasy points per game last year. 16th in fantasy points per game. He had a seven-game stretch where he averaged, where he went 5 for 66, 5 for 70, 5 for 59, and then exploded for 470, two touchdowns, 8171, two touchdowns, 881, and then 645 in a touchdown. Six receptions, 45 yards in a touchdown. So those games by Robert Woods, you don't get consistency like that from any receiver. You get consistency from that, from good receivers on good teams in great offenses, which Robert Woods is currently in. During that stretch, he averaged 80 yards a game and .7 touchdowns a game. 
Uh, he also sprinkled in another 108-yard game earlier in the season. So this dude, he was a wide receiver, wide receiver 15 or better often. He was he was a top half receiver last year. And now I, everyone wants to say, okay, Brandon Cooks is coming in. But Sammy Watkins left too. I, I don't expect Brandon Cooks to, like I said, I always say about the Sean McVay offense, he spreads the ball around, he finds the open receivers, which is great for Robert Woods because, uh, as I said, he was top 10 in the league in yards per target. So he's getting open downfield. Jared Goff is hitting him downfield. Brandon Cooks is going to be a deep guy. Sure, he's going to catch some screens and stuff. But I just expect Robert Woods to continue off what he did last year and continue his rapport with Jared Goff. And he is going in seventh, eighth rounds of drafts. And I just I think it's mind-boggling because I think he has an easy path to wide receiver two uh, production. Everything you just said for why you love him is why I hate him. Because when you're deep threat... <laughs> When the guy yeah, who he's leads, not only a when deep the threat. guy who leads your team though, in that category, gets replaced by a guy known for taking deep routes, he's not being replaced. He's being replaced. He's not being replaced. I guarantee. Sammy you. Watkins was replaced. Sammy Watkins replaced. was replaced by Robert Woods. Robert Woods was replaced by Brandon Cooks. Don't get it twisted. That's not close to it at all. Sammy Look, Watkins. We, Sammy Watkins had a role the whole year. This is Sammy true. Sammy Watkins was not replaced by Robert Woods. They each had their role the whole year. I'm saying the role that Woods played last year will be played by Cooks this year. And the role that... No. Why would they just take Woods Watkins? out of the role that he excelled in last year? I don't... You say excelled. Watkins is more He didn't excel. To- Have you listened to anything I just said? I did. He was literally one of the most consistent receivers from in a seven-game stretch before he got hurt. And then they replaced him. He was not replaced. What are you talking about? He, the most, the thing that you're saying, like you don't understand what I'm, what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, Brandon Cooks is more of a Sammy Watkins player than a Robert Woods type player. They're uh, both. Sammy Watkins is a fast receiver. Sammy Watkins was a red zone threat. I know he's big, but he's a fast receiver. No, Robert Woods fits Brandon the Sammy Cooks Watkins is. mold a little bit. Sammy more. Watkins may have even run a forty faster than Brandon Cooks. I mean, this is an easy bet here. Woods outscores Cooks. Oh. Oh, easy yeah, bet. Seems like an easy bet. For who? Me and you. No, I'm saying this is, obviously this is an easy we should bet make to this bet. place. Yeah. It, for who to place, Michael? Dude, obviously, no, we just, should make this it's bet. Just a bet that should be placed. Well, yes, of course <laughs> yeah, I'll take it, but right, it's an yeah. easy bet for me. You really doing this? Yes. He's gonna be third on the Rams in receptions. I promise you. Cooper, Cooper Cup is. I not promise you. Dope. I will bet you Cooper Cup outproduces Robert Woods. Oh God, yes. In fantasy points. Oh yes, absolutely. I'm, I, I'm writing down. Cooper Cup was almost a hat hanger of mine. Yeah, good thing he wasn't. Yeah, because I would <laughs> I would have had to have more hat. Let me just say something. As much you. as you like Cooper Cup, he's your wide receiver too in the Brodo League, and I'm a little disappointed in you. I mean, that's because I went running back heavy. That's that's fine with me. So did I. And Robert Woods, my wide receiver too. Ayo. And I believe that Cooper Cup's going to outscore oh, no, Robert Woods. Is actually Robert wide Woods. Three. So I don't understand what you're saying. Um, anyway, no I'm going to go with my third guy. My third guy is DJ Moore. Now, he's a rookie. Right, but I want to go over how good DJ Moore was playing in college with horrendous QBs. Last year, Maryland had four different QBs that played in games. They totaled 161.7 yards in the air, so they only passed for 161 yards a game. DJ Moore had 86 yards a game. He's a fucking beast. That is over half, and he still set the school record for catches. That's the school Stephon Diggs went to. That's how good this guy is with four different quarterbacks. He spent, he spent his, he set the record 
with four different quarterbacks that all sucked. He was over half that passing offense. He's entering a situation now in in Carolina where the number one targeted wide receiver is absolutely up for grabs. Now, Devin Funches is entrenched, and he's one of the players that I think is being slept on a little bit this year. But DJ Moore can take that number one, and Devin Funches can ease into that number two role. I think that's more of a natural fit. He's a yards-after-the-catch wizard. Steve Smith said he's the closest thing they've had to him ever. So I was starting to think, how was Cam Newton when he had Steve Smith? Well, the last year that he had Steve Smith was 2013. Cam had the best season of his career in completion percentage, second most t- excuse me, second most TDs outside of his MVP season, second highest TD rate outside of his MVC- MVP season, second highest quarterback rating outside of his MVP season. Last time he had Steve Smith was arguably the best overall year of his career, and it's because he had that number one guy, that speed guy that you know he loves throwing to. Cam Newton is not someone who's going to th- throw a high point ball. Cam Newton's going to throw a rocket 40 yards down the field. So he loves throwing to those small, fast receivers who can get open and get yards after the catch. I think this team and this situation and this skill set is a perfect marriage made in heaven. I think that he has a chance to succeed right off the bat in week one. They're playing Dallas. Dallas gave up uh, more than 50 yards over 40, over 40, over, uh, this is a hard one to say. Ready? Over 50, over 40 yard plays. I said it. They gave up the ninth most 40-yard-plus plays in the league last year, the Cowboys did. When they don't get pressure, they're way worse than when they get pressure. Now, they have a great D-line, so they may get a lot of pressure. But when the quarterback has some time back there, they are susceptible to big plays. DJ Moore is a big play threat. I think that he is going to be one of those waiver-wire, like, super pickups uh, if he's not drafted in your league um, after week one. So I I really like DJ Moore this year. See, I... Similar to how you said everything I said about Robert Woods, you didn't just you just really didn't agree with. I I agree with what you're saying. I just don't see how the circumstance works out for him in Carolina. I just don't see how he could be supplemented there with Greg Olson already there, with Devin Funches already there, with McCaffrey already so involved in the passing game, with the way that Cam Newton runs the ball and is just not a very good passer. He could jump Funches. He could he could easily jump Funches. But Funches kind of has his role. He Funches well. Is, and to be fair, he needs to jump Troy Smith, who's been effective in the preseason, and he needs to jump Curtis Samuel, who's been effective in the preseason. I just think he has the talent to do so. Yeah, for sure. But I, I think you have him as your 36th wide receiver, I think. I, I think do. It's a little, I think it's a little up there. I'm, I mean, I'm guessing you don't think – because these are season-long rankings. You're these just are. projecting he's going to, in like the second half, probably do a lot better. I think than he'll he end the as half. the 36th-ranked yeah. wide receiver in fantasy. Uh, I just – I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen, but – I, I like the confidence. All right, so let's go to our last ones that we have here. What are you talking we got about, two left, guy. kid? Oh, we got two left. Yeah, kid. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, I I got one left. Uh, Michael, what yeah, is? Yeah, you just went with your third one, bro. I did do that. Michael, four. Give us your third one. Another guy that I drafted in the Brodo League yesterday because I'm getting I'm just getting these guys in all my leagues. Because that's what hat hangers do. Is Kenyon Drake, folks. What does that mean? That's what hat hangers do. <laughs> that's what you do with your hat hangers. That's Excuse better. There me. you go, Michael. You know, sometimes words get slurred. You just got to keep rolling <laughs> with the punches. Slurred's not even the right word, but we're going to ignore that. Yeah, go I'm just, forward. I'm fucking up here, guys. <laughs> Kenyon Drake. <laughs> Last year, we all saw what happened with the Dolphins. They were not a good team. Frank Gore was whatever i mean not frank or uh jay seat now i'm already talking about frank or jay jay was whatever he was hurt they decided damon williams needed to get the ball and then kenyan drake came folks he was 36th in the league in carries last year 
He ended up 28th in rush yards, so he was more productive than he should have been technically with his carries. He was 7th in yards per carry overall, 10th in yards per touch, 5th in breakaway rate, 2nd in PFF's elusive rating behind Alvin Kamara of all running backs in the last 5 years, which is not easy to do. He was 4th in the league in yards created. When he was running against a base defense or a light defense, he was 7th in rushing yards and he was 5th in rushing yards. So all that means for those who don't aren't really up to the technical terms, base defense is basically just the base defense of a team is just like just like a normal like defense four, or three, whatever. Like 4 3 3 4, two and corners, two like safeties. A light defense is when the box has less players than a base defense and a stacked box is when there there's more people in the box who which is supposed to be used to stop the run. So unless you're only getting that info on Brodo, people. These sometimes these people just say <laughs> say things and they become the new thing, and no one explains it. You gotta explain it. You gotta explain it sometimes. Yeah. Thank you. So unless the box was stacked and everyone was preparing to try to stop Kenyon Drake, no one was stopping Kenyon Drake. And from week 13 on, when he took over, this was his line: 23 touches, 23 carries, 120 yards, and a touchdown. 25 carries, 114 yards, five receptions, 79 yards in that game. Then 16 carries, 78 yards, a touchdown with six receptions and 35 yards. Then 13 carries, 57 yards. Finally, an off game. Look at that. And then 14 rushes, 75 yards, three receptions, 15 yards. He was a beast. He was a running back one for the last five weeks of the year. And everyone now, the the thing stopping Kenyon Drake this year is Frank Gore, a 35-year-old running back. He's not stopping Frank Kenyon Drake. I don't care what... Uh, Who's the head coach, Adam Gase? I don't care what Adam Gase says about, oh, they're the 1A and 1B. He's not an idiot. He wants to keep his job. They have Ryan Tannehill, who's an upgrade from Jay Cutler. They, the Dolphins want to win. They oh, haven't been you a just good say team. Tannehill is an upgrade? He's not I an mean, upgrade from Jay over Cutler. Over Jay Cutler, it's hard not to upgrade Jay no, Cutler. No. And I don't know about the statement they want to win. Got rid of Jarvis, got rid of Dominican Sue. Broadens, like they got, they got rid of a lot but of guys. Tannehill's so mediocre now. for so so many years. They're they need trying a, to win. They need they a new franchise. QB. They're trying to win, but we'll see. We'll see. He was on the uprise before he got hurt. He was. It's not. But Kenyon he's Drake, thirty like, now. People talk about Ryan Tannehill like he's twenty-five. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, he took a couple years to develop, and then he was out. Nah, no. he's not great. But yeah, he was involved in the passing game as well. I just don't see. It. I don't think Kalen Balage is. Uh, threat at all either we all agree ryan Tannehill is on a great quarterback being modest here yeah and you said kenny on drake did best when he wasn't facing a stacked box why not stack the box against miami because you don't have to stack the box against but it's miami, probably so. going to happen with ryan Tannehill. it, it has a lot to do with i, it, I think there's but, a lot of ifs in the kenyan drake basket it's if ryan Tannehill could, and could dude, be great it's also if adam gase gives him the carries because you could say you don't believe him all you want but last year he gave the boatload of carries to Damian Williams, even though Damian Williams is clearly the inferior runner, and he gave him the the rock as much as he could until he got hurt, and that's when Kenyon Drake, when he was the last possible option on the squad, actually got touches. But I still think he's going to, even if he doesn't get as mu- many touches as he should in the beginning of the year, I think he'll work his way into it, and I still think he'll be effective before then. And, dude, you're acting like Ryan Tannehill is Brock Osweiler. Ryan Tannehill has a season under his belt where he has, like, 25-plus touchdowns and I think like eleven in those or something. If like Tannehill had a good season if under his belt, Tannehill can play good. I wouldn't say great, but good. I like Drake a lot he more. Also just hasn't played for a year. It's for the reasons that Jason said. He's still better than Jay Cutler. So he didn't hurt his arm. That's a good thing. So yeah, I'm I'm all over Kenny and Drake at his ADP right now. I got him in the late third yesterday. Some people could get him in the beginning of the fourth. 
but yeah. All right, I'm going to take it from here because I'm going to go with a running back that I believe I just fought it. Yeah, is a better <laughs> bet than <laughs> nice. I think he's a better bet than Lamar. I was about to say the guy's name. Kenny Lamar Drake Miller. is here going in the same area. It's Lamar Miller. I would 110% rather have Lamar Miller. I have him ranked 28th overall, and most people are not drafting him that high. So that is why I'm hanging my hat on him. I think he will return his fourth, fifth round value. It's absurd that he's being drafted there. This guy is a three-down workhorse on a better team than they were last season. Houston added Tyron Matthew. They're getting Deshaun Watson back. Their defense is going to be better. Their offense is going to be better. What I decided to do, because playing with small sample sizes is fun, is look at Lamar Miller without Watson and with Watson. With Deshaun Watson, he played seven games. Without, he played nine games. Let's see. With Deshaun Watson, he surpassed 60 rushing yards in four of the seven games. Without him, he did it once in nine games. With Deshaun Watson, he surpassed 25 receiving yards in four of seven games. Without him, he surpassed it twice in nine games. With Deshaun Watson, he had four touchdowns in seven games. Without him, he had two in nine games. With Deshaun Watson, he had 18 targets out of the backfield. Without him, he had 18 targets. This is blowing my mind. In seven games and nine games. And lastly... With Deshaun Watson, he never had less than 14 rush attempts in seven games. Without Deshaun Watson, he failed to reach 14 rush attempts in five out of the nine games. What does all that mean that I just said? That means that Lamar Miller is basically a lock to give you 80 yards every game. Lamar Miller is never going to give you less than eight points. He's going to run the ball, he's going to catch passes, and he'll score a touchdown every now and then. He's never going to be a powerhouse back that's going to run in 100 touchdowns. Nobody's going to run in 100 touchdowns. But Lamar Miller, name a three-down back you're going to get this late besides Lamar Miller. Kenny Drake. No, he's not a three-down back. (laughs) Peyton Barber. Charles Sims is out. out. Charles Charles Sims is out. Jaquiz. Jaquiz Rogers. Probably be the passing down back. Which, by the way... The Jakiz train, baby. It'll never go away. <laughs> Jakiz is my man. I love you, Jakiz. We're the the Jakiz Rogers Matrix. The Jakiz Matrix, man. <laughs> it's all about the Jakiz Matrix. For those of you who have been here since the beginning, listening to Brodo, and you know what the Jakiz Matrix is, Matrix is shout out to you. Jason, I'm going to push back on you. Because it wouldn't be Brodo if we didn't push back. Nice. PFF has the Texans graded as one of the worst offensive lines they've ever graded. Now, when you have that problem, yes, Deshaun Watson does ease that up a bit because he's elusive. But when you're talking about running backs, you need a running back that's going to break tackles who's going to be elusive. Lamar Miller is neither of those things. Miller forced, uh, according to PFF, Miller forced 44 missed tackles on 506 carries. That is 8.7%. That's bad. In the elusive rating, he ranked 49th of 53 runners and 47th of 53 runners in his last two seasons. His yards after contact has gone down from 2.5 to 2.21. Yeah, he's been bad at getting away from the tacklers. And that's according to Pro Football Focus. And it worries me because he's playing behind the worst offensive lines ever played on. Now, 
like you said, Deshaun Watson is going to hit him with passes, so he's going to be involved in the passing game, so that's going to alleviate my worries about that a bit. But how many times have you seen Lamar Miller break tackles? You don't. And it ju- that just makes me nervous. And I, He's a good value in the fifth pick, but I just think Devonta Foreman's waiting in the wings, and I think he takes over the job after he gets back. It's a crazy statement. It's not a crazy not statement. Dante Foreman. Dante, sorry. Dante. Dante Foreman. <laughs> Look, again, this isn't – I don't really think Jason is – here saying Lamar Miller is a great player. I think it's not. An, it's another Melvin Gordon effect, despite the running back. The volume is there. <laughs> the volume is there. The third guy that I'm hanging my hat on, Chris Thompson. Look, I had Chris Thompson last year, and I can tell you he was one of the most underrated backs in the draft this year. In PPR and half PPR formats, he is Someone that you should be taking way earlier than his average drive price of the eighth round right now. That is absolutely ridiculous to me. Now, let's get the first thing off the bat that's negative about him. Yes, he's an injury risk. He definitely is. Uh, He's missed nine games in the past three seasons. Last season, he only played a a total of 10 games. But let's concentrate on what he did in those 10 games. 804 yards from scrimmage and six TDs on 11 touches per game. Now, 11 touches doesn't sound like much for a running back. But he's actually a wide receiver in all actuality. He was targeted 54 times in the passing game. That would put him behind Jamison Crowder for second on the team if he kept up that pace going forward in the season. Uh, He finished only six catches away from being second on the team in catches in only nine and a half games. He was second on the team in yards from scrimmage in only nine and a half games. This is a team that depends on Chris Thompson, and they're going to depend on him even more. When you look at Chris Thompson... One of the things that stands out is the Redskins have the 30th ranked uh, fantasy schedule against the run. So what does that mean? What that means is they are going to have trouble running. That's good for Chris Thompson. Believe it or not, because he's a receiving back. He gets the balls on the outside. So, (coughs) excuse me. They're going to rely on him even more because the running game is going to be stagnant by that 30th ranked strength of schedule. Um, on top of that, he finished outside running back three only one time last year in his nine and a half games. Those uh, only one time. So he only really ruined you one time. The three times that he was a running back three, Seattle, Minnesota, New Orleans. Three of the best defenses that the league saw last year. Three running back one finishes, including the running back three overall at his peak. He is excellent in space, and the offense will get him in space early and often. They showed that last season. He even lined up as a receiver, either in the slot or out wide, in 15% of his snaps. And that's not including the the snaps that he had motion to those positions. So I think that Chris Thompson is someone that's being severely slept on. And yes, the injury risk is a factor. But to factor it enough to make him fall to the eighth round, which is if you're not drafting quarterbacks, your second bench player. I'm uh, uh, I'm down to put my hat on there with you this time, Tim. Let me some Chris Thompson. I'm not. He said himself he's not going to be healthy until November. He said he's not going to be 100% until November. This is a tiny little man for NFL uh Standards that is, he's definitely tiny not a little tiny man. little man. He's a tiny NFL player who's playing less than 100 percent, who has been injured in the past, who hasn't. A really, it's not really a certain role. It's absolutely a certain. He's role. the pass catching running back. He's sure. the Jay. running back to own in what? Washington. Third down running backs aren't a thing anymore. I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Jason says scat back yesterday, and I remember him saying that like it's a bad thing. As the 53rd overall player in your rankings, you want to scat back? It scat back does not mean what it used to mean. 
Those to me, kid. Scat back means pat- catching the ball in half PPR formats and PPR formats. But if he, say he gets what? Even if he gets like eight rushes a game, and he gets like nine targets. Nine targets is hefty. Eight targets, seven targets, even. I, I wouldn't he's say produce he, he flex numbers there. He's easily going to produce flex numbers, and he only busted out of a flex position, out of a running back three position one time. Well, running back three isn't great. Running but back it's, three, but is it's a flex. flex position. And he finishes running back one three times. He finishes a running back two three times. Well, this I have him. I think I have him as my twenty eighth running back. Where do you have him? Do you have him in the top twenty-four? I could check that. I think he's in. I think he's twenty-seventh overall but I know that Jason in has my him. rankings. You have him thirty. Thirty. Michael twenty-six. So I have him yeah, as see, a, I have him higher than you do. I have him thirty-eight. Yeah, Jason's so low on him. Yeah, I. I mean, I would. I'm, I would venture to put him higher. Though. I'm very high on. We are going to release new rankings. I like soon. Duke Johnson a lot more than you two as well. Duke Johnson has his role on that team, and he was very productive last year with that role. All right, so we've given you three hat hangers that we're going to hang our hats on so far. Uh, let's just go over it real quick. For me, it was Jarek McKinnon, Chris Thompson, and DJ Moore. Michael? Alvin Kamara, Robert Woods, and Kenyon Drake. And Jason? Melvin Gordon. Gordon? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> Melvin Gordon, Keelan Cole, and Lamar Miller. So that leaves our last players. Michael, why don't you kick us off with your final hat hanger of the year, the guy that you are hanging your hat on and saying, hey, this is the guy I'm staking my fantasy reputation on. So this guy is who I am going to try to get in all my drafts if I can't get Gronk. It's uh, Kyle Rudolph. Mm. Uh, as much as I love Zach Ertz, I don't want to pay a third-round price for him, which is basically where he's going now. Kyle Rudolph has played in all 16 games three years in a row. You cannot find health like that in a receiver. Uh, three years ago in a tight end. Thanks. Three years ago, he had 495 yards and five touchdowns. Two years before that, 840 yards and seven touchdowns, where he was the tight end, too. That's a big-time year. And then last year, 532 yards and nine touchdowns. So he's having decent seasons repeatedly. Last year, the touchdowns were up there. Uh, and last year, he was second in red zone receptions of all tight ends, second in touchdowns for tight ends. He averaged 10 overall points per game. Which is a monster which for is tight ends. great for tight ends. Yeah. He was. I mean, it's pretty good for... RB2. Yeah. He was fifth uh, for tight ends and fantasy points per target. He... um, Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. I want... Because I didn't want to talk about Kyle Rudolph. I wanted to go back to Kirk Cousins now coming over. What Jordan Reed did with Kirk Cousins back-to-back years when Jordan Reed was healthy was only average 686 yards and six touchdowns and then 952 yards and 11 touchdowns. And those are both an injury-shortened seasons. I know the Vikings are stacked with uh, Thiel and Diggs. McKin- uh, I was going to say McKinnon, Cook, uh, Latavius Murray even stealing touches at the goal line. But Kyle Rudolph is going is going to continue to be used near the goal line, just as Jordan Reed was for the Redskins. Kyle Rudolph is about as consistent as you can get in the tight end position, and he's going in the eighth round, late seventh, eighth round, which I think once you're there, the value of getting a tight end like that is just beats basically anything else you could get there. I just think he's a little too TD dependent for me, but I like to pick. I must say, I, I think Kyle Rudolph is a great value where he's going this year. Jason, who is your last hat hanger of the day? My last hat hanger of the day. Save the best for last. Of the year, really, not just the day. Of the year, yeah. My favorite hat hanger, or not favorite, Melvin Gordon is 
probably my Keelan Cole. They're they're all my favorite. Jeez. They're my hat. <laughs> Just tell us who it is, damn it. If I had to throw one cast off, it'd be Lamar Miller. But <laughs> Alex Smith is my guy. Uh, Jason has been all over Alex Smith. Alex man. Smith is gonna be my quarterback in all of my leagues, and I'm riding that train. Who's your uh, until probably week four in the border league that good. we drafted in yesterday? <laughs> Alex Smith and Jimmy G. I took both. Oh, okay, yeah, I remember you drafted Jimmy G. So I took so. Alex Smith too. I don't condone the drafting two quarterbacks thing, but I needed Alex Smith on my team because he's gonna be top five. And then I'm gonna trade Jimmy G. Booyah. And you also. Had, you don't have a defense or a kicker on your team yet, so you yeah, have yeah. you have some roster spots to play with. Exactly. Yes, that has to do with it. Alex Smith has not thrown double-digit touch interceptions. <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad. He hasn't thrown double-digit interceptions since 2010. Wow. And little-known secret, three of the last five seasons, he's had over 350 yards rushing. One of the better running quarterbacks in the league again gets no loves for running. It's probably because he's white, and you don't associate white running backs with running. But he runs. I suppose so. That's 35 points just from running the ball right there. That is 35 divided by 4. It's hard to do It's over 8. It's over 8 passing Michael's the math twin. Very close to you didn't know. I can do math. So that's an extra 8 passing touchdowns right there that you're going to get from Alex Smith that you're not going to see on the stat sheet, but you will see on your fantasy sheet. And then... Besides rushing, because he is a quarterback after all, he is now on the Redskins, and the Redskins and Jay Gruden's offense love to pass. In 2015, they were 12th in the league in pass attempts. 2016, they were 6th in the league in pass attempts. 2017, they were 8th in the league in pass attempts. Basically, they're always top 12 in the league in pass attempts. So they're always a QB1 in pass attempts. And while he was there, Kirk Cousins never failed to reach 4,000 passing yards and 25 touchdowns in a season. So if you get four, even if that's the baseline for... Alex Smith, 4,000 yards, 25 passing, 350 rushing yards, Baseline. two touchdowns. That's what I'm saying. That's what Kirk Cousins basically averaged in Washington. And Alex Smith is a good quarterback. Kirk Cousins, granted, probably better. He is better. But Alex Smith is a capable quarterback. We saw what he can do last season. We've seen what he can do at other times. And if you look at the supporting cast, it's not too far off from Kansas City. Uh, Travis Kelsey, of course, is a tight end there. Jordan <laughs> Reed, when healthy... Has that potential. They drafted Jordan Reed yesterday. When healthy. Tyreek Hill, fastest guy on earth. Paul Richardson, still kind of fast. So what you're saying is all of his weapons are kind of, they play the same position is what you're saying. (laughs) Josh Doxson. Thompson's a good catcher out of the backfield. And then Alex Smith was one of the highest quarterbacks in the league last year throwing to receivers who already had separation. He doesn't like throwing receivers open. He likes throwing two Receivers, Jamison Crowder is great at getting separation. Him and Alex Smith are a match made in Washington heaven. <laughs> Alex Smith is going to be my quarterback in all of my leagues. Now for my last hat hanger, the last hat hanger of the day, and then we're going to make some honorable mentions. I want to really talk about this guy even more than fantasy. I think he's going to be the NFL MVP this year. And that is Matthew Stafford of the Detroit Lions. And here's why I think Matt Stafford is going to be the MVP. In his last three years under Jim Bob Cooter as the offensive coordinator, Jim Bob. he has completed an average of two-thirds of his passes. That's 66%. 29 TDs a year, 11 interceptions, 4,350 yards, and a 97 QB rating. Last year, he was 0.2 points away from finishing with a 100 quarterback rating, which is absolutely elite. Now, he did all of this with a giant mountain stacked against him. He had no running game to speak of at all. 
The, Gi- the, the Giants. The, the Giants, too. But the Lions have not had a running game in forever. In fact, last year, it was the worst they've ever had. They ran on only 37% of their plays last year, which is the second lowest in the league. The year before, they were the third lowest in the NFL. They were dead last in the league in rushing by an incredible amount. I think it was 140, I think it was 145 to 122, like a really big margin. Uh, so that means he did all of this when defenses knew that he was going to pass. Defenses knew he was going to pass and he still completed 66% of his passes. This year, they bring in LeGarrette Blunt, who's a bona fide runner and bruiser. When LeGarrette Blunt is in the game, you have to you have to at least play the run. They also bring in Carrion Johnson, second round pick out of Auburn, who a lot of fantasy analysts are high on. I'm not sold on him yet, but he is definitely an upgrade over Amir Abdullah. I think that went much you could definitely say. On top of that, Matt Stafford got sacked the third most times of any quarterback last season, 47 times. He's been in the top seven most sacked QBs in his last four seasons. The offensive line he's going to be playing in back of, if healthy, which is a big if, I will say this, that's the one caveat, is going to be the best offensive line he's ever played behind. This season, they added Frank Ragnow out of Arkansas with their first-round pick. He's been the highest-rated rookie O-lineman in the run game so far and has allowed just one sack. Oh, by the way, he allowed that sack to Gerald McCoy, and he allowed that sack to Gerald McCoy when he was playing right guard. He's naturally a left guard. So his first ever game, they're like, this first ever game at right guard, they're like, hey, go block Gerald McCoy. And he gave up a sack. Okay. So, you know, be a little be a little nice. Starting left tackle and right tackle, Taylor Decker and Rick Wagner are both returning from injury. Taylor Decker uh, is one of the better left tackles in the league when healthy. Pro bowler TJ Lang is the key. He has to stay healthy. Right now he's battling an injury. He's hopeful to play week one, though. PFF has them at eighth at the eighth best O-line. That is a giant jump from 19th best last year. Um, again, Taylor Decker returning from that injury. All of that combined, I think Matt Stafford has that extra second in the pocket every time and has a, and he has a jersey that's not just completely demolished. One of the things that I'd always noticed about Matt Stafford is it always seemed like his jersey is like pulled off his arms and he's always like he's, his shirt's always untucked. That's because he's constantly on the floor. If this guy has a running game and protection, watch out because not only that, he has Kenny Galladay, who's going to be another weapon in that arsenal uh, to, to add to Jones and Tate, who have, were who had both had career years last year. So I think Matt Stafford, you're getting him as the ninth quarterback off the board. I have him ranked as my number four quarterback. I love Matt Stafford this year. I think he's the NFL MVP. So what you're saying is draft Alex Smith. <laughs> what? I'm joking. I just want oh. to put my guy in there. <laughs> I was like, where did you I get draft like, Alex Smith from that? No. <laughs> so that's my hat hanger. Does get Jim it Bob Cooter have a What I'm saying is I, I'm i cool with that. I just want to touch on Carryon Johnson because I haven't been able to talk about Carryon Johnson since I've been away. But the fact that he's even being drafted, nevertheless, in the fifth round of some drafts is mind-blowing. You're talking about the third string running back on the Detroit Lions. Guys, people got blown away by like two runs. And then he was playing with the threes. Forgot to see that not only was he playing with the threes, he played on like twenty percent of the first down reps only. So he literally like eighty percent of the time he was playing with the threes. They were nice runs, but he was playing behind Amir Abdullah and like Eric Blunt. And it's also the Lions. It's also the Lions. I think Carryon Johnson is someone that if you draft him, you have to expect to not play him until week six. He's one of those guys that's going to come on week six. He's never. He's not going to be. 
relevant this year. Ah, that's hard. Second round, second round running back, man. We're talking about the line. He's really good at pass protection as well, which is another reason why he's going to be back there. Theo Riddick is too. That's true, but he doesn't play the same role as Theo Riddick does. I anyway, wouldn't draft Carryon Johnson. Those are cool our hat staff. hangers. Uh, do you have any? Do you have any honorable mention? I feel honorable like an honorable mention from all of us has to be Jordan Howard. 100%. We all love. We him. all love him. We all love him. Uh, I didn't choose Jordan Howard. I was surprised when I heard would, that. Actually, thinking one of you would draft it. Would <laughs> I was thinking Jordan Howard or Lamar Miller. I went with Miller because of the value. Yeah. Uh, also, another hat hanger of mine. This one, I just think he's gonna be a fantasy option, which he is not even being considered right now. Is Quincy Nunwa. I'm going to take him with the last round in all of my drafts. He was a beast two years ago when he was healthy. He was supposed to have a big role last year before he got hurt. Now he's back healthy again. Looking nice in the preseason. So I'm a big fan of Quincy Inunua heading into the year as a late-round pick flyer. Uh, Cooper Cup is my honorable mention. I know you guys aren't on the Cooper Cup bandwagon like I am. The reason I love Cooper Cup is because Sammy Watkins leaves eight red zone targets on the table and cooper cup was the, an absolute red zone <laughs> machine last year inside the 20 he got uh 27 of his team's uh looks inside the 10 he got 20 percent. so one in every five catches inside the 10 was going to cooper cup uh his catch rate was 56 percent. so he came down with 13 catches in the red zone for 117 yards and five touchdowns. This guy put up 117 yards just in the end zone. Also, he put up some just really great overall stats last year to the tune of 62 receptions for 869 yards and five touchdowns, and that's in his rookie season. Like, Jason, I'm going to quote you. Sometimes it's not the biggest metrics, but a guy just... Knows a guy and likes to hit a guy. And Jared Goff likes to hit Cooper Cup. He especially likes to hit Cooper Cup in the red zone. And there's red zone targets to be had. I love me some Cooper Cup this season out of the slot for the Rams. All I'm going to say is I don't know what the metrics say or what PFF thought about it. But every time I saw the Rams playing, I saw Cooper Cup drop a ball. He did have a lot of drops. I, I mean... I, I, let me. I, I'll get his drops percentage, but I bet you it wasn't every time. <laughs> every game, every game he dropped the ball. I got you. At, I got every you time I saw Cooper Cup on the field. While Tim's looking that up, I'm just gonna give a quick shout. This isn't a hat hanger of mine. I'm just saying it. Jamal Williams is being underdrafted. He's a starting running back right now for the Packers, looking like the workhorse. Mike McCarthy likes to ride one guy, so draft Jamal Williams. So he uh he had six drops. Which doesn't sound that bad until you realize that was 6.4% of his passes, which is pretty bad. I'm down. He, I mean, he dropped six. He caught 68. I'm, probably, I'm cool with it. It's probably more. He was a rookie. I think I think the, the only mistake Just you guys make great. when you guys go into these things, the only mistake, because you guys are pretty good at, at making players and projecting players, you never just let it be like he might get better in his second year. Yo, I never let that. You be. never let that. You, you, you guys are always about the past. Go to the future, bruh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Time to end the show. Tim. Time to end the show. Michael, where can they find you? Mike underscore Patrop. Jason. Jason Patrop. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Next, I mean tomorrow, we have the final episode of our five-day-long extravaganza leading up to Labor Day weekend, the national weekend of drafts, and we are going to be mock drafting. Because, honestly, that's all you really need to do. Mock draft. So, 
as we go over uh, and bid you adieu until tomorrow, Jason, what's up? Are we going to draft all of our hat hangers in the mock draft? We're, <laughs> we're going to have to see tomorrow. Try to draft every single one. Come back tomorrow if you want to see. Until then, at Brodo Fantasy is the handle on Twitter, at Mike underscore Patrop, at Jason Patrop, at Tim Patrop, but only if you're feeling real, real frisky. Frisky. We'll see you tomorrow. Peace. Peace.